Hi, and welcome to the Life Source Christian Church Audio Lounge with Senior Ministers John and Anne Juliano. Have you ever wondered about how to better connect with God? Well, that's exactly what we're going to help you with in this week's show, where you'll learn how to more fully love God, grow spiritually, and help others. If you have your Bibles, open up to Jeremiah. Good old Jeremiah. He wasn't a bullfrog. He was a prophet. And the only people that laughed at that were the old people that remember that old song. Okay, Jeremiah 23 verses 5 to 6. We are up to the seventh covenant name of God out of the big nine promises. And next week, everybody say next week. week. We're going to finish. We're going to finish the series. So next week we'll do eight and nine. And uh, we'll finish the series next week because we're starting to head into Christmas and um, we're we're finishing up. So um, so next week is the end of the series. How many of you enjoyed the series? So we've had a look at six covenant names so far. Today we're going to look at the seventh. And they're connected to the promises of God. The Bible is full of promises. How many of you love the promises of God? This is a promise book. There are promises here. And God is not a man that he should lie. He keeps his promises. But sometimes we just got to declare and decree the promises of God. Sometimes we just got to remind God of his promises. Sometimes we've just got to cling on and keep praying and not lose heart until we see the promise come through. And so we've called this series the nine big promises, the big nine promises out of the 3,000, there are nine that are connected with God's covenant names. And so the first one that we looked at was that one of God's promises is that he will provide for you. He will provide for you. How good is it to have God provide for us? And it's connected to one of his covenant names, Jehovah Jireh. Then there's another covenant name of God, I will heal you. And it's connected to one of his covenant names, Jehovah Rapha. Then there's another one. I will cause you to win. Everybody say, I'm a winner. How many of you know that that in the process of winning, sometimes you feel like you're losing? How many of you have ever been in a situation in the process of winning, you kind of feel that you're losing? But you only know at the end of the game whether you won or not. You can be losing the whole game and then at the end something turns around and you end up winning. Well, God says, it doesn't matter where you up in the game. My promises to you is that you will win. Jehovah Nissi, I'm the Lord who causes you to win. Jehovah Makedesh, I'm the Lord who sets you apart. You're my people. You're extraordinary. You're my special people, my chosen generation. Put your hand on your heart and say, I'm chosen by God. I am God's special person, uniquely set aside for him. How beautiful is that? Of all of God's creation, you are the most unique. Then Jehovah Shalom, the Lord says, I'm going to give you peace. (coughs) Um, Jehovah Raha, this is what we spoke about last week. And God says, I will shepherd you. I'm going to lead you. I'm going to guide you through life. You're not going to do it alone. I'm going to lead you, guide you. I've got divine purpose for you. Every step of your way has been mapped out. And what happens is this. I'm not going to lead you down a dead 
alley. I'm not going to lead you to a place where you fall off a cliff. I'm going to lead you into life and life forevermore. And today we're going to look at Jehovah Tzikinu, which means I will make you righteous. I, will, I am your righteousness. I am the Lord who makes you righteous. So let's read Jeremiah 23 verses 5 to 6. It says this, Behold the day is coming, says the Lord, that I will raise to David a branch of righteousness. Everybody say righteousness. A king shall reign and prosper and execute judgment and righteousness. Everybody say righteousness in the earth. In his days, Judah will be saved. Israel will dwell safely. Now this is his name by which he shall be called. And in the Hebrew, it's Yahweh, Jehovah Tzikinu, the Lord, our righteousness, the Lord who is our righteousness. In other words, the Lord who makes us, who declares us to be righteous. Let's talk about this this morning. It's the Lord who makes you righteous. It's the Lord who declares righteousness over you. And righteousness basically means to be in right standing. This is what you need when you stand before a judge. A judge to declare you to be righteous. The fact is that God is the judge. And only he can declare righteous judgment. The scripture is full of words. In, in Psalm chapter 9 verse 8 it says, The Lord shall judge the world in righteousness. He shall administer judgment in uprightness. So the Bible is really clear that God is the judge and he declares judgment. We are not the judge. And we've got to be careful that we don't replace the judge. Anne and I live very close to a new hospital that's just being built at French's Forest, the Northern Beaches Hospital. By God's grace, it's going to be opened up this Tuesday. And uh, we cannot wait for this hospital to be opened and the road system around this hospital to be finished off because for the last two years, it has been a nightmare. And um, anyway, so with, with the roadworks, what's happened is that every now and then, the police set themselves up with the radar and they book drivers. And so right at the beginning of the roadworks, my neighbor says to me, said, I just got booked in front of the hospital. And I says, why did you get booked? She says, I was only doing 55 kilometers an hour. And normally I do 60, but I got booked. And I said to the policeman, why am I being booked? I'm doing less than the speed limit. And this policeman says, no, on these roadworks, the, the speed limit now is 40 kilometers an hour. She says, but I've always driven at 60 kilometers an hour. Not while the roadworks are on. The speed limit is 40 kilometers an hour and you are 15 kilometers an hour above the speed limit. She felt that she was right, but the judge said she was wrong. How many people go through life thinking that what they're doing is right 
And the judge says, what you're doing is wrong. What we've got to work out is this, that we are not the judge. God is the judge. And if God is the judge, then it's not us who determine what is right. And what we have right now is a mindset in this world (coughs) that basically says mankind determines what is right and mankind determines what is wrong. And so now we've got all sorts of laws coming in that says this is right and this is wrong. So the big push that we have at the moment is for a law to come in on euthanasia. Countries like the Netherlands, Belgium, Colombia, in South America, Luxembourg have already passed laws on euthanasia. And basically, it says if we've got people that are at the end and, and um, we basically don't think, we don't think that their quality of life is just right, then we can kill them. Well, we don't use the word kill, euthanize. It's a nice word. Just recently, Queensland passed a law that can abort, can abort, can abort a, a, a different word than killing. We wouldn't use the word killing, but we can use the word abort. And we'd never use the word babies. We can use the word fetus. So we can abort a fetus because it's a lot more user-friendly than abort a baby at 22 weeks. You know, as pastors, we, we, we get called to some pretty sad experiences. And one of the sad experiences that we were called to, I can still remember this when I was pastoring in Campbelltown, was to a miscarriage of a baby at 22 weeks. And I actually held that baby in my hands. But the difference with this baby was that it was loved. It was loved. It was cherished. But to think that Queensland, the Queenslanders have passed the law where if two doctors can sign off, we can kill little babies because we're the judge, not God. Can I just say to you that it's a very dangerous thing when we become the judge and leave God out of the equation. God is the judge. And this is what the judge says. Are you ready? This is what the judge says. There is no one righteous, no, not one. That's found in Romans 3, verse 10. I know that goes in the face of everything that the world says. Because the world basically says that if you do enough good things, then you're a righteous person. But the Bible says there's none righteous, no, not one. The Bible says in Romans 3.23, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now, some of you are sitting there saying, I didn't come to church to be depressed. I'm giving you the bad news before I give you the good news. Okay, I'm, 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 I'm sort of wanting to kick the legs from underneath your chair before I'm able to lift you up. Because we've got to get this right. There's, there's a push. There's a push. And there's a new movement called progressive Christianity. And it's, and it's this movement that I want to indoctrinate you against. And especially our young adults are being indoctrinated with this movement. And, and, and what it is, it's just an old lie that's being introduced as a new truth. But all it is is an old lie that comes from the pit of hell that basically says that your self-righteousness is enough. And the Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. 
In Isaiah <coughs> chapter 64, verse 6, it says, <coughs> All our right. Just. Um, <coughs> it's okay. <coughs> I didn't get much sleep on the flight from, uh, from Phnom Penh to Sydney yesterday, so uh, my voice is still trying to get back into Sydney time, and uh, that's okay. I put on my best radio voice. Isaiah 64 verse 6 says that all our righteousness, all our righteousness, if you give it to God, is like giving him filthy rags. How many of you find that incredibly confronting? That is incredibly confronting. And I won't even try to explain to you what the original for filthy rags means. I won't even, even go there, but some of you can already go there. But, but this, is, this is God saying, no, you cannot make your righteousness appear right before me. To lecture the judge on righteousness is the ultimate act of pride and arrogance. And progressive Christianity is wanting to remove God's methodology and method of making us righteous and replace it with just good works. Just replace it with social justice. Replace it. And you know what? We need to do good things. We need to be involved in social justice. We need to get involved in, in anything that shows compassion and mercy. You know, do I want to get the kids off Nauru? Of course I do. Do, do I want little kids to be locked up in a prison house? Under no circumstances do I want that. But my salvation is not based on those good works. See, because I'm saved, I want to do those good things. And that's the difference. So let's move on to righteousness is a gift from God. This is, this is, and, and, and this is what we have to appreciate and we have to value that this is God's gift to us. He makes us righteous. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, For the grace, for by grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. He's God saying, can I gift you righteousness? And arrogance says, you don't have to gift me righteousness because I've got my own righteousness. God says, no, uh, 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 you don't have righteousness. What you've got are filthy rags. What I've got is righteousness. And I want to gift it to you. But if you don't appreciate the gift, you don't receive it. See, any gift that's appreciated is received. And when something is not appreciated, it's not received. Then in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, this is so beautiful. It says, he made him who knew no sin. To be sin for us that we might be the righteousness of God. Everybody say righteousness of God. Not righteousness of humanity. Not righteousness of man. But righteousness of God. There are two different definitions. Everybody has got their own definition of righteousness. But what's the right one? It's the righteousness of God. That's the right one. And he gives it to us in Christ. And so this is, this is the gift of God. I take the righteousness that's on Jesus and I put it onto you. How beautiful is that? And so when God looks at us, he doesn't see us the way that we even see ourselves. He sees us through the righteousness of Christ. 
How beautiful is that? How many of you, how many of you, come on, at the end of the day, some of you suffer from guilt and shame. Some of you look at yourselves and you see all of your weakness, all of your inefficiencies, all, and, and, and this is the gift that God wants to give to you, the righteousness of Christ. And so that when he looks at you, you need to look at yourself through that filter, the righteousness of God. How beautiful is that? I'm going to explain this a little bit further as we go along. It's a gift from God. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God. Some of your translations only have gift. And, and I know that gifts are free, but in the original Greek, it just it sort of underlines it. It's a free gift. It's not a paid for, well, gifts can't be paid for, but it's the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. What we've got to understand that is this, that in God's eyes, righteousness is the ultimate prize. Why is righteousness the ultimate prize? Because righteousness to God is of the highest of values. He is righteous and he's wanting a righteous people. So righteousness is the ultimate prize. And God is looking for people who are righteous and who are lovers of righteousness. How beautiful it is to be righteous and a lover of righteousness. Who can quote Matthew 6.33 for me? Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And what's the next part? And his righteousness. So it's not just looking for the kingdom of God, but his righteousness. He holds this as the first thing. First, number one, ultimate prize, high value, righteousness in God's eyes is beautiful. Why is that? Because righteousness is connected to holiness. And holiness is, is, is what God is. I said to you a few weeks ago, and I'll say it again, that when, when we get a glimpse of heaven and we see the throne of God and we see the beasts and the elders and the seraphims and it's, and it's explained in, in the book of Isaiah and in the book of, of Revelation, these are crying out day and night, 24-7, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Of all the characteristics of God, what is constantly being said around the throne of God is holy, holy, holy. There's something about righteousness and cleanliness and purity that is the ultimate prize in the eyes of God. And so his desire is to make you righteous. His desire is to make you holy. And God is looking for people that are holy, that are righteous, and are lovers of righteousness. Lovers of holiness. And God, God, God will favor people that make this their ultimate prize. So if you make righteousness and holiness your ultimate prize, I'm telling you, God will favor you. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 12 says that the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. And his ears are attentive, are open to their prayers. This, 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 this is so important that we get this, is that God will favor you when you walk in righteousness. Here's another, I mean, when, when you read the Beatitudes, 
in Matthew chapter 5. So many of the Beatitudes, well, at least three of the eight, are focused on righteousness. Blessed are those who hunger and seek for righteousness. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. Three of the Beatitudes are all to do with righteousness. How awesome is this? And then I just love this one scripture in Proverbs chapter 14, verse 34. It says, righteousness exalts a nation. This is the enemy's deep desire is to destroy nations through unrighteousness. Thank God we have a, a prime minister who will have a pursuit for righteousness. I, I know that when it comes to politics, oh my goodness, uh, it's treading the light fantastic. And keep praying for our Prime Minister. Keep praying for our Prime Minister, the Honourable Scott Morrison. Keep praying for him. Because, because if he can just navigate through all this rubbish that's around him and make righteousness part of his mandate, Australia will be blessed because the Bible is clear. Righteousness exalts a nation. How many of you want a nation that is righteous? Come on, just lift up your hands. We're going to pray for Australia right now. Father, we pray for Australia. We pray for our Prime Minister. Lord, your word says that righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach. And Lord, we just want a righteous nation with righteous laws. Lord, I pray that you'll help us and help our Prime Minister make righteous decisions in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Okay, so God's ultimate plan for us is righteousness, then the enemy's ultimate plan for us is exactly the opposite, unrighteousness. So we have an enemy that's fighting against us to try to make us unrighteous. Now, he's God's done everything. He sent Jesus Christ to the cross Shed his blood. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sins, makes us righteous. Then he gives us the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit dwells within us to help us walk the paths of righteousness. So what comes first? What comes first is the blood of Jesus Christ cleansing us. What comes next is the Holy Spirit. Everybody say Holy Spirit. He's not called the worship spirit, even though we love to worship. He's not called the healing spirit, even though we love healing. He's not called the blessed spirit, even though we love blessing. What's he called? Holy. Holy Spirit. Why is that? Because the Holy Spirit wants to lead us in paths of righteousness, in holiness. The Holy Spirit. So we get saved, cleansed purified, made righteous. Holy Spirit comes to live within us. So now we walk in righteousness. But he's the enemy trying to get us off kilter all the time. And there's three metaphors that I want to talk to you about and how the enemy tries to work against us. The first metaphor is the bride of Christ. Everybody said the bride of Christ. Oh, how beautiful it is. I remember my wedding, the 13th of December, 1980. And in a few weeks' time, we're going to be celebrating our 38th wedding anniversary. But let me tell you something. There was nothing more beautiful than looking at this beautiful, stunning young lady, 21 years of age, dressed in white, walking down the aisle towards me. Just absolutely 
gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. But you know what the enemy wants to do? The enemy, who's the enemy of our heart, wants to take mud and throw it onto that dress. And his greatest prize is that if he does it from behind, so she is covered in dirt and filth at the back, but she can't even see it or recognize it. And every time she looks in the mirror, she sees, oh, look how beautiful I am, but can't see behind, covered in mud. The Bible says that when Jesus Christ is coming back, he's coming back for a bride. Here it is, without, without spot, without spot or wrinkle. And this is what the enemy wants to do. He wants for us to walk in unrighteousness so the enemy can say, what sort of a bride is that? Look at her, filled with muck and grime. So that's what he wants to do to you. He, he wants to deceive you and bring you down the, road, the wrong path. There's another metaphor. The accuser in Revelation chapter 12. The Bible calls, verse 10, the enemy, the accuser of the brethren. The accuser. So he wants to stick mud on you to accuse you. Then stand before God and laugh at him saying, Ha ha, is this your bride? <laughs> Look at her. She walks in filth, accusing and embarrassing God, embarrassing you, embarrassing the court of heaven. That's what he wants, the accuser of the brethren. Come on, guys. We need to stand in faith and say, we are not going to give the enemy a foothold. But you know what's even worse? What's even worse is the indefensible. Because Jesus wants to defend us in that court. But can I tell you, one of the greatest accusations that the enemy has against you that will end up destroying you if you don't get this is the accusation of unforgiveness. Everybody say unforgiveness. What a lot of us fail to realize is that there's two unpardonable sins. See, we, we all know that the first unpardonable sin is blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. But what a lot of us don't realize is that there's a second unpardonable sin. And the second unpardonable sin is the sin of unforgiveness. Jesus says in Matthew, if you do not forgive people their sins, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your sins. And so unforgiveness blocks our forgiveness. And so this is the way that it works. If, you, if you're living in unforgiveness, resentment, bitterness towards someone else, so the enemy, bang, gets the mud, throws it on your dress. And he's Jesus wanting to forgive you. But the enemy says, Father, you cannot forgive John Giuliano. And the court of heaven says, why can't Father forgive John Giuliano? Because you said in your word that if John Giuliano harbors unforgiveness, you will not forgive him. And all of a sudden, the court of heaven is silent because the word that was spoken is now given back. How many of you know the accuser of the brethren loves that? So the court of heaven is silent. And there you are in the middle of all that under condemnation when God does not want you to be under condemnation but you've opened up yourself to accusation by being unforgiving 
Come on. I'm your pastor. I love you. The reason why you're in this church is because you know that you will get it hard, fast, continuously. You'll get it in truth. You'll get it in love. Because I'm wanting to protect you from that sort of stuff. But the enemy wants for you to be deceived. And anyone listening to this on MP3 or whatever, I I, I pray that God will help you to understand this, that there's an accuser. He wants to accuse you. So this is the question that you have to answer. Does the enemy have an accusation against you that has not been forgiven through the blood of Jesus Christ? And what you've got to do is is overcome that. The other nickname, the third metaphor of the enemy is he is called the tempter. In Matthew chapter 4 verse 3, the Bible gives him the nickname the tempter. It's his nickname, the tempter. Not just the accuser, but another nickname, the tempter. And the Bible says in in Matthew chapter 4 verse 3 that the tempter came to tempt Jesus when he was in the wilderness. The tempter came and his ultimate temptation is to take you from that path of righteousness and divert you to paths of unrighteousness. Come on, you've got to resist the devil, resist him, resist him, resist him in the mighty name of Jesus. Let me finish with God's ultimate plan for you. God's ultimate plan is that you might be a righteous people. Everybody say a righteous people. A people that love righteousness. I love this. Jehovah Tikkunu, the Lord who makes us righteous. He says, I'll do everything possible to make you righteous. I'll do everything. And so he's given us the blood of Jesus Christ. Everybody said the blood of Jesus. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can wash away my sins? Not my self-righteousness. Not my social justice. As wonderful as those two things are, it comes after. What comes first? What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. I love 1 John chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. And it's very clear that the blood of Jesus Christ, that he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and forgive us from all unrighteousness. You know what I love next is this. Is that, is that what happens is this. Come here, Joe. Come here, Joe. Probably the wrong color. So I, what happens is this. Is that when the blood of Jesus has cleansed you, he wants you to wear a special robe. It's called the robe of righteousness. Look at that. Joe. Does it fit? Not quite, but it's, it's the robe. Suck it in. Suck it in. It's the robe of righteousness. And the robe of righteousness covers you from the top of your head down to the soles of your feet. The robe of righteousness is also called the wedding robe. How beautiful is to have the wedding? And you know, how many remember the, the, the story of the prodigal son? That when he came home, the father gave him the robe. It's the robe of righteousness. It's like the wedding robe. And in Matthew 22, there's an incredible parable about the wedding feast. You know, they go into the highways and byways and bring them in. And then someone sneaks in. Come sit down there. He sneaks in 
because he wants to be in the wedding feast. And he's at the table and, and, and the father comes. And he goes, how did you get in here without the robe of righteousness? How did you get in here without the wedding robe? And speechless. Then all of a sudden, the angels come. Kick him out. Pull you out. Into weeping and gnashing of teeth. Come, come back here. Come back here. And so, 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 so why would you want to do it in your own strength? Where God says, I've got the robe of righteousness. All you've got to do is believe. So this is the question I have for you, Joe. Have you ever in all of your life committed even one mistake, one sin? Have you ever told a white lie, stolen a pan? Have you ever said something nasty? Even once in your whole life? Yes, I have. You have. Okay. Is there anyone here who's done the same thing? Yeah. So Joe, you've sinned. You've come short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. So Joe, do you believe that Jesus Christ died upon the cross, shed his blood to cover your sins and make you righteous? Joe, today, are you willing to accept Jesus Christ as the righteousness of God so you can become righteous? Let's see. This is God's gift to you. The robe of righteousness. And now when you sit at the banqueting table, you're honored because you have the right robe. Yeah. The right robe. How difficult was that? It's the free gift. All you've got to do is... Believe and receive. Believe and receive. You can sit down, Joe, with my jacket. It's fine. I'm... Just don't walk out of the building. I want to finish this morning. God's presence is here. God's presence is here. Just close your eyes. Because God's love, He calls Himself the Lord who makes you righteous. The Lord who makes you righteous. There's an enemy of your soul. There's there's an enemy of your soul. Me just wants to keep you in unrighteousness. This enemy just wants you to think that you're righteous. But when you get before the judge, you'll be judged for being unrighteous. Come on, this is the word of the Lord. There is only one way, that's through Jesus, for you to receive righteousness. And today, I want to pray for everybody. If you're here today and and you're not 100% sure that your sins have been washed away, you're not 100% sure that you are wearing that robe of righteousness that only God can give, then today is your time to get right with God. Thanks for choosing to listen to the Life Source Christian Church Audio Lounge. If you like this week's podcast, then please share it with a friend. More information about who we are is available at lifesource.org.au. On behalf of Senior Ministers John and Ann Giuliano, we look forward to connecting with you next time at the Life Source Christian Church Audio Lounge.